Today's topic is fat shaming, a subject close to my heart and presumably Joe's. Would you agree? Yes, I suppose so. Yes. Um, about three years ago, my wife and I were, you, well, you could describe us as portly if you're being polite. In my case, obese. Uh, and we decided to make a change. It, it came from seeing our daughter in a dance show and thinking that she needed to lose a little bit of weight. And so we decided not to have any bad food in the house at all. And over the next year and a half, I lost £100. She lost, how much did you lose? About two and a half stone. Two and a half stone, so that's what, 20, uh, 35 pounds, which for you, which for you is quite a lot proportionally. And by and large, we've managed to keep that weight off, although I've put a bit on recently. Uh, I, I'm going to blame working from home, but I'm doing my best to get that weight back off. But the big change for us. Um, you went from doing zero exercise to running a marathon last year. Yes. How do you think you did that? Is it luck? Is it like how you were born or and you never knew you could do that? Or? I think it's just finding an exercise that I really enjoyed. Um, running is something that I, I really enjoy. I, it gives me time to think. It gives me time to distress. And it's, it's something that I, I really liked doing and it was something that I could, it was free and I could start slowly. So I started with the Couch to 5K and then once I finished the Couch to 5K where you could run um, 25 minutes in one go, I then proceeded to build on that 25 minutes um, and now I can easily run a, a 10K or run for an hour and a half, two hours if I if I choose to. I How did just, you find the start though? That couch to 5k, what was it like the first couple of weeks? It was hard and I have to say mentally I had to really push myself to do it because even running 60 seconds was was really difficult and I didn't think that I could do it. Um, I was part of that vast majority of people that would say no I, I I'm just not a runner I can't run I have to find something else to do do you think the vast majority of people could be runners I think it's just anyone anyone can be a runner anybody can go out and run but it's finding something that you enjoy so some people really enjoy going to the gym some people really enjoy doing a class some people really enjoy um swimming but, but my enjoyment came out of um, running and that's what I really enjoy. I don't like going swimming. I'm not a great gym person. Um, even running on a treadmill I find really, really difficult. But going outside and running a, a course and being on different terrain and being outside with my music, um, that's what I really love doing. And since I found that... I really like getting up in the morning and going for a run. Uh, and on top of that, you completely changed how you ate. Um, <clears throat> we both did. You know, I used to eat. I, I used to always say, oh, I don't eat much. I don't know why I'm putting on weight. Well, I, but, but what I was eating was pretty awful food. And we've said ourselves, haven't we, that we gradually got bigger and didn't notice um, or didn't really think much of what we were eating. And I, I remember I used to look in the mirror in the bathroom. I'd hold my stomach in and think, yeah, you look all right. And at one point I bought an XXXL shirt. And that's when I thought, okay, there's something can't be right here. And I got down to a large and I felt very proud of that. But we went for a long, long time not happy being overweight but we look back at the photos now 
And we just didn't seem to notice, did we? It was quite strange. I think it's very easy to, to fool yourself. I think it's very easy to make excuses. And, and that's what we did. We did make excuses. We did kind of really enable each other to keep going. Um, yeah. We didn't want to tell the, the other one that they were putting on weight. When I looked in the mirror, I thought I was slimmer than what I was. And usually it, it takes it takes a catalyst of some sort to to change your thinking and to think, okay, this isn't just this just isn't a diet. This isn't something that I need to do to go to a wedding or um, because I'm meeting up with friends. This is something, this has to be a lifestyle change. And I think we came to that catalyst when we went to see the dance show. And then we thought, this is what we're doing to our our children. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess Tom's always been skinny. But yeah, I think I was like you. I felt like I'm the, <clears throat> we're the fat parents of the slightly too big child yes do you know i mean and obviously she's slimmed down completely which which may have happened anyway but what i find strange is when we look at those old photos you said yourself when you look at them now you never thought i was fat and i was 21 stone yes. and i never thought you were overweight at all and i look at some of those photos and i don't mean this in a bad way but, you know, you were quite big. Exactly. And that's, uh, and that's what I think when I look back. And that's why I keep that photo of you and I keep that photo of me. And therefore, it, it keeps you on that track. So we have changed a whole, our whole lifestyle. We have changed the way we eat. Um, and that's for a lifetime. And I, I'm still surprised at how many people will say, for example you know, at work or, or anywhere. Oh, well, I, I did that diet, but when I stopped, I put all the weight back on, so it's not very good. So yeah. you, you can't do a diet like that. A diet is something, it's got to be a lifestyle change. It's got to be a, a complete change, an overhaul of your diet, an overhaul of your exercise. Because yeah. if you're a certain weight, you are the weight of whatever food you consume every day. So if you consume 2,000 calories and you're 13 stone... The moment you go above that, your weight goes up. The moment you go below it, your weight goes down. Well, no, there has to be a, a calorie deficit. So you can eat two th over 2,000 calories a day as long as you're doing the exercise yeah. to, you know, to counterbalance that. You, you have to be in a calorie deficit. So now I'm, I'm a normal BMI of, of between 21 and 22, and I try to keep within that, within that BMI. So if I'm doing a lot of running and if I'm training for marathon, my calorie intake needs to go up because I need to fuel for that. So I find that my, my eating has actually increased but what i eat is a lot better for me and it's about fueling my body and it's about eating to live rather than living to eat and that's not saying we don't have treats you know we do order pizza but it's not having the amount that we used to have yeah and i think now we enable each other in a good way yeah and i think what's interesting is how me in particular I used to predominantly eat what what would be called bad food I would have a can of coke every day um, I would eat chocolate I would have a ham and cheese wrap with loads of butter in it uh, at lunch and it's funny how the more of that stuff you eat particularly coke the more you want it's almost designed to keep you on that um, eat shit treadmill basically and it's funny how when you stop and you don't touch it, like I hadn't haven't had a ca a Coke for three years until the other day, actually, and I had one. And it was interesting. The next day I was really craving one again. And I've kind of become convinced that you can get used to an extremely bland diet and it has the same effect. Like, for example... <clears throat> 
for a long time it was just plain chicken, a cereal bar and grapes. And that cereal bar would be a huge treat for me. And it felt the same as maybe eating a, a Mars bar a few years ago. It's almost as if um, there's a level uh, at which you get used to. And to my mind, when I think about what I used to eat and what I did for a long, long time and what I eat now, it kind of proved to me that anyone could stop eating junk food that anyone could seriously cut down what they eat and do a lot more exercise. And it's not the impossibility that some see it. As you say, the amount of people who go on a diet, I, I, almost everyone I know goes on a diet and then stops and says, oh, well, it's just not working. It's like, how stupid are you? <laughs> that, I, I don't mean that. that, that that's awful. But th the problem is, it's obvious once you know, isn't it, that if you've gone on, but, and I did this, I went on diet after diet after diet, and then I'd go back to eating the same old rubbish. My weight would go back up, and I think, oh, and for some reason, this one stuck, probably because we did it over such an extended period of time. I don't even think <clears throat> it's that either. I think it's because we did it as a family. So when there's nothing in the house that you can be tempted by, you don't eat it. And, and this is where I think we were successful. If I was just on a diet or you were just on a diet yeah. um, and the kids were eating normally and there were crisps and chocolate, then you're going to fail. And this is where the problem is. You have to do it as a family. You have to have, you have to take away all of those temptations. So you you can't have that chocolate biscuit night when those cravings are really strong because they're not there. And I used to be a feeder. I did used to <laughs> to cook up really nice puddings. You know, chocolate sponge and some chocolate custard, and you know all of those desserts. And we used to have dessert pretty much after after everything. Yeah. Um, and as you said, without doing the exercise, but we've got into a routine. It took us a, it took us a long time to get into a routine of doing exercise, but you found the exercises that you liked, and I found the exercise that I liked, and then we tend we we stuck with it. And the food, I think, you need to do it as a as a family, and we still stick to those principles now we still try not to bring bad food into the house and if we do it goes relatively quickly can you imagine how you would feel if we went back to how we were for even a week probably feeling quite sick i would have imagined because yeah. it'd be too much sugar but emotionally i think it would depress us because now we've got we lost that weight and we're into a routine and we're feeling much healthier in her, in ourselves and we've kept the weight off for such a long time i think it would feel like we were we were failing ourselves going yeah. back yeah and i've noticed that with the being stuck working from home every time i get on the treadmill and do five minutes 10 minutes whatever when i get off it i there is an actual emotional lift and it is so true what they say about exercise and how it can do that. But on a, a related note, because obviously historically my the site has been about technology, I found as we lost the weight, I absolutely had to know my weight all the time. I had to see numbers. I had to see how many steps I was doing. I had to see how much exercise I was doing. And all the way through that period, it, it was with Fitbit. Now, with the Apple Watch, I'm starting to appreciate the system Apple has in place there, in particular with the exercise minutes that almost forces you. And I still think without that, and although a lot of people will say, well, you don't need that, you should know how much you should eat, you should know how much exercise you should do, I do notice that people who say that tend to actually naturally be quite slim. But I personally need that. Do you find you do? I need to log what I'm eating because I I do find that there's a lot of hidden calories. And when we started this, mm. one of the biggest shocks for me was 
the food that was marketed as being healthy actually was full of sugar and was worse for you than foods that, that weren't marketed as being healthy. Um, you would think something like a, a milk ice lolly would have a lot less calories in, um, but in actual fact, something like a small milk ice lolly had 150, 200 calories in there um, and it would be full of sugar, whereas a, a round tree's um, ice lolly, which you'd think is full of all those colours, was actually far more natural, far less sugar in them, um, and there was only 40 calories in a whole ice lolly. So there were, that's what, that was the biggest surprise. A lot of these cereal bars and a lot of these... Um, yeah these bars that are marketed at being healthy and full of protein are actually also full of sugar. Great if you're doing the exercise because you need the sugar, you need the fructose and you, and you need that protein to, to repair the body. But if you're not doing exercise, then it's just an easy way to pile on the pounds. And I've only found one cereal bar that is pretty healthy and with decent calories and that's the one I eat and yes. the one I have boxes and boxes and boxes of in the kitchen um yeah no it's it's to me it's it, it was certainly a minefield and there's a lot of obstacles in the way and in some ways i feel like i've turned into one of those ex-smokers who absolutely hates smokers and i'm whilst i would never ever fat shame someone when i was fat obviously i work in a a place where it's predominantly male. So you can imagine the comments. Um, and you could say I was fat shamed every day if I was the person who could be shamed for that. You know, I it didn't bother me. But I do find fat shaming in particular quite an interesting topic because obviously if someone has a go at someone because they're black or because they're female or because they're male or trans or whatever, that's definitely not right. And it's not right on any level to shame someone for being large or for being very fat. But at the same time, if as a nation, and we've seen this in America, people are getting bigger and bigger, that's not good for their health, that's not good for the economy, that's not really good for anyone it's not good for the environment actually with the amount of extra processed food that they would be consuming is there not an element just a small element of shaming someone when they're fat and i don't mean being rude to them but what i mean is if you look at someone who is very big is there not a part of all of us that thinks that's not right well, you can be at risk of of diabetes and heart disease, even just being a little bit over yeah. overweight. Um, and as I say, some people are are fat on the inside and slim on the outside. It's all about their their diet. And on the flip side of that, you've got people that have a raised BMI that are probably much fitter than their counterparts who have a normal BMI, who who don't eat healthily. So I think. BMI is one of those um, not very helpful numbers because it, it doesn't take into consideration, you know, somebody's somebody's build and their bone structure and um, uh, how fit and healthy. A lot of the rugby players in this world are have a um, increased BMI. Because I'll always obese. be obese. I will always be obese. Yes, because you would you would look really strange if you if you went down into a normal BMI. I did though. I did look you did, strange. Yeah. You I looked look... really gaunt and really thin and you lost you know, it's a point where you can lose too much weight. So I think people get caught up in their BMI too much. It's about being healthy. So just because someone looks at somebody else, now I've always been kind of a naturally small frame. I'm only five foot three, um, and I, I sit at the moment between eight and a half and nine stone, which is which is normal for me, but it makes me look like a a, a very slim, um, slim frame. But that doesn't mean that someone who's a size twelve or fourteen 
still doesn't have a, you know, has a healthy diet and also does exercise, but their BMI might come out as, as being in the overweight category. What about someone who's size 18 or 20? At what point? Well, no, but at what point do we say, and again, <clears throat> I must stress, I'm not talking about shaming people. The word fat shaming has become a bit like many other topics in that if someone even comments on someone's weight, there was a football player, and this is a lot of this where I got the idea, the, there was a football player at the weekend in the soccer aid, he was quite big. And there was a, a, the commentators made quite a lot of comments during the match. So he was a celebrity and they were making comments of, oh, there's the ball, if he can get to the ball. You know, they were making jokes about his weight. Mm. And he was big. Um, and a lot of people on Twitter and other networks started defending him. And, of course, you can agree with that because no one should be publicly shamed in that way. But do you feel that, say, for example, someone is very big, size 20 or or how I used to be, and I was big, do you feel that that should necessarily be defended? What's the difference of someone... If, if you were walking down the street and you were smoking weed, people might make comments and have a go at you because they would see that as bad and unhealthy whilst it wouldn't necessarily affect them. Yeah, if someone was really huge, it's like that's perfectly normal. That's okay. They they should be allowed to be like that. And it's difficult because you can obviously pee whatever you want. You know, if you want to kill yourself by overeating and not exercising, that's fine. But there's can you see what I'm saying? I'm I'm struggling to find the words. But again, you've made a sweeping statement, haven't you? If you want to kill yourself by being overweight, I know a lot of people. Well, a few people that are um, would be a size eighteen or twenty that have run marathons, that cycle to work every day. They're actually very very fit people fitter than some of their counterparts who are a size 8 and 10. So now I, I don't agree with you with that. I think it's about diet. I think it's about exercise. You can be a healthy person that's a size 18 and 20 and you can be an unhealthy person who's a size 8 to 10. And also, you know, there's there's certain things. You can be factual about it. So if, if Can somebody... you be healthy at size 20? Sorry to butt in. Well, but yeah. surely there's a limit where... Yes, I do, because I, I think I think that it's about diet and exercise. And I know some really fit people who are a size 18 to 20. I've known people that have run marathons at that size. So why are they that size? Because it's their natural makeup. Some people are naturally bigger and some people are naturally smaller. I'm not saying that a BMI won't won't affect them in some way. And you can be factual in the fact that, you know, you might be more at risk of having a general anaesthetic because of your BMI. But when you keep telling somebody their BMI is 30, 40, 50, it's not going to come as a, as a shock to them. So why we have to keep saying, you know, they know that they're bigger each individual person knows how fit they are, how much exercise, whether they eat the wrong foods or not. But they don't need to be constantly reminded. And not one person, or I don't know any one person, that has been bullied, which is what fat shaming is, bullied into losing weight. You can't. It has to be a decision for yourself, just like giving up smoking, just like giving up drinking. And and no one complains as much as, as people that are overweight for the people that smoke, for the people that, that drink. And that does affect people around them just as, you know, just as much, I think. I think, I mean, first of all, I would say people definitely complained about smokers. And before I gave up, that, that, that's, that's a constant criticism um, of smokers. But I, I will agree with you, actually, in that when you say about um, <clears throat> bullying never makes anyone do anything, it's true. As I said earlier, I always got called names for my weight. It didn't make any difference. It was only when you want to do it. I only gave up smoking when I really wanted to give up. And I totally agree with that. What, I, what I'm curious about 
is when you say someone's natural makeup might be a size 20 or for a man um, XXL shirt because of his weight. We don't see that in Ethiopia. We don't see that in certain other countries. I would, uh, we're not doctors. I would presume there's almost no doctor on earth that would say it's natural for someone to be that weight. Surely they're that weight because of what they eat. Okay, so you, you can't really compare somebody that lives in the Western world to someone that lives in Ethiopia. They're totally different diets. They're totally different um, makeups and environments to live in. So you, you can't compare the two. We are brought up on a, on a Western diet. Yeah. And, you know... There is a lot of bad stuff now, that, and they they said in around World War Two. When you look back and you look at archive pictures of of people and crowds in World War Two, they they aren't really obese people. They had a much better diet because they true. grew their own vegetables. They grew their um they pretty much grew everything they they ate, and there was nothing that was processed. But doesn't that prove then that someone? that still someone, for example, you've got someone who's a size 10 and you've got someone who's a size 20, doesn't that prove that the person who's a size 20 is eating too much of the bad stuff? Possibly. It's, it's very difficult, but I think it's about diet <clears throat> and fitness. So, I, you know, as I say, I know bigger people that have good diets and, they, and they're much fitter than somebody who's a size 8 and 10. You know, people have different metabolisms. That's not anybody's fault. But you can True. have, you know, some people have quicker metabolism, some people have slower. Um, every woman's dream is to eat what they want and, and stay slim. Some people can have that dream and some people can't. But alternatively, you know, there's a lot of people that have to work really hard to stay to stay slim yeah i wonder if it's almost um it goes back to that thing of <clears throat> why aren't you more like me in that for a lot of people if if they're slim and and if for example that they're fortunate enough to be slim all their lives no matter my father was like that he could literally he would eat a whole loaf of bread and a whole big bag of licorice i think he was nine and a half stone his whole life i wonder if there's a bit of um it's almost that, that people, it's the problem we have, that people see someone, and I, when I talk about fat shaming, I'm talking about if you see someone who's patently unhealthy, can barely walk down the street, because you literally hear them breathing as they're coming along. There's a lot of people seem to almost have a natural disgust of that. And I know that's, and whilst it doesn't affect them, it is amazing how our culture will look at someone like that. And as I say, the, probably the word disgust is, is the right one because I think some a lot of people are disgusted at seeing someone who is extremely overweight. And it's and whilst I think that's awful, is there some good in that? Because it does mean that as a culture we're all aiming to be a healthy weight and i do understand that obviously for with anorexia young girls etc it can easily go the other way but as a culture it's um does it mean that we know what's right and we know what's wrong in terms of diet and fitness I think I have to address the, the thing with your dad first. Yes, he was nine and a half stone. Yes, he could eat a packet of licorice and a whole loaf of bread. But he also didn't drive. He also used to walk miles to work every single day then he spend did. his whole time on his feet. He walked everywhere. So probably his exercise in relation to what he, he took into his body left him in a calorie deficit or even that out. So he was always quite healthy. He wasn't really a, a drinker, your dad. No. And I think a lot of that um, applied to the older generation that have stayed the same way. We know a lot of our granddads and um, and grandmothers that have stayed the same way through, throughout their lives and they, they used to eat real proper food. Um, but that's because they walked everywhere. They're, they were a lot more mobile 
than they were today um also i think i think you're getting a little bit we're we're lumping everyone in together so when you're talking about people with a bmi of 50 or 60 people are more worried about that because then it becomes seriously detrimental to your health you're not talking about someone who's a size 18 20 in clothes that you could get off the rack we're talking about people that are seriously obese that where they can't walk and you you almost feel sorry for them they're caught in this cycle and you and you just think what happened in their life that they've managed to get to this stage just the same as you might i'm i would think the same about someone who is bmi 50 or 60 the same as i think about somebody who was homeless on the street what happened in your life to get you to this point the same as i would think about somebody who was anorexic but somebody with a bmi of 30 35 you know even encroaching onto 40 these people can still be fit and healthy so there's there's no reason why we need to, um, you know, we need to, well, any kind of fat shaming I think is is a form of bullying, and it's it, that's never going to change for me, and I don't think it's it's helpful in in any way. I think people need education, they need guidance, um, and they need support. So somebody getting some disparatory comment because somebody is overweight and, and riding a bike. It should be supportive. It should be, you know, well done you, because you're getting on a bike and you're doing something and you're exercising. That's fantastic. But they don't. They get a disparity comment because it's not some slim little size eight thing in tight lycra cycling down there down the road now how does that make someone feel i tell you if it was me i'd get off that bike and i wouldn't go out again so we can't have it both ways you you can't be shaming people and making disparate comments to somebody and then expecting them to go out and and have that energy to 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 lose weight and do something about it no you make them go home and and sit down and not move because they don't want to go outside the front door but if, I mean, obviously, if if you are extremely large, chances are you've had to see your doctor for various things. And the doctor, no doubt, has talked about the weight. I know the doctor <clears throat> a couple of times when I had to go for something completely unrelated. Each time they said, you might want to think about losing some weight as well. So you get that support. If that person, though, is continuing to get bigger, what do you you know what happens there i i totally agree with you that bullying is obviously not the answer and it doesn't work but at the same time if someone gets to a level where they are as you say a bmi of 50 or something at that point surely nothing's working now is there a fine line between fat shaming and accepting that it's difficult in my head actually because it's no i suppose it's no different to accepting if someone's gay or not is it people are what they are and but you're almost watching someone kill themselves and i think there's a natural human whether it comes out as fat shaming whether it comes out as someone looking at that person and feeling that level of disgust or whether it comes out with someone trying to help them you literally are watching someone kill themselves, aren't you? You can see it that way for people that are very... That's what I'm talking about. ...a really increased BMI. But no matter how which way you look at it, it, it has to be that person's decision to make that change. Because it's, it's not going to, to happen by somebody else telling them to do something. I, know, I, I mean, I wonder if there's a culture we have this problem where and we've all done it and and, you know people might say they haven't but i'm pretty sure they have i'm pretty sure you and i have you can walk down the street and you can see someone at 11 o'clock in the morning who's already drunk and they're sat there with another can of beer or you can see people who've obviously taken drugs or whatever we do naturally i don't think I, i i I think with the homeless thing, I tend to be a bit like you. I tend to think, wow, I wonder what happened to them to get there. And you want to help. 
But I think there's certain other frailties like alcoholism, drug taking, being extremely obese, that I think a lot of people almost look down on that person and think, I'm not like you, you're like that. I don't like no, you. No, but then if everyone thought to themselves that somebody just doesn't just wake <laughs> up in the morning and think, I know, I want to be you know, severely obese or I want to be an alcoholic or I want to be a drug addict. No one, no one does that. It happens slowly. And when you, you, usually when you look over somebody's life, you, you see all of those steps that got them to that point and you just thank your lucky stars that you didn't have to go through those steps and you didn't, you know, you had support all your life and love all your life. Um, and your the things that happened in your life were were good. So therefore, at this point in our lives, we've got we have a good life in comparison to somebody that didn't have the support, that didn't have the love, that didn't have the breaks that we had. That end up drug abuse or or alcoholism. It's not a lifestyle choice for a lot of people. It's it's. Be- it's something that's happened in their life. It's a catalyst that's happened in their life where they find themselves in this position. And because people look down on them, they're too ashamed to get help. And there's it's a vicious circle. And just the same as being, you know, really overweight. It's a vicious circle. People can't can't access that help without some kind of ridicule or feeling like somebody or feeling shamed by it, feeling like somebody's making a judgment over you all the time. Yeah, and I, I would agree. I, I think like with the alcoholism and drugs, etc., often that comes from birth, from where you're born, the community you're in, and the family you're in. Yes. You know, we've seen examples of that where literally entire communities, um, the individuals will fail in one way or another because of where they're brought up. It's interesting on that point, though. I wonder if obesity is separate to that. Is obesity also caused by how someone's brought up? And it's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because it seems to me I've always likened obesity to alcoholism and to drug taking. It is an addiction, um, eating the bad foods. There's no doubt it is an addiction, and you're seeing yourself fall apart. And it's the same for alcoholics. It's an abnormal <clears throat> relationship with food. Just the same as an abnormal relationship with alcohol, with drugs. You know, it, it's, a, it's the same sort of thing. So I put anorexia and bulimia in this under the same umbrella as you would with somebody that is, um, is morbidly obese. Yeah, it's an unhealthy relationship with food, and they can't get out of that cycle. It is an addiction to a certain, like, you know, somebody who's anorexic or bulimic. Um, it's an addiction. It's an anorexic is um, it's somebody with an addiction to to not eating. They don't want to eat anything. No, no calories must pass their lips. Bulimia is an unhealthy addiction to food, but it, it comes with this enormous sense of guilt that they have to, to eat everything and then and then purge it out of their system. Um, and the same with being morbidly obese. It's about you know needing that food and needing that comfort. It's a comfort blanket. Mm, I mean, I think it's interesting how our own experiences is would probably guide how we view other people's um, deficiencies. For example, I've seen people who are severely anorexic, interestingly, almost always women, um, in the street, and I feel huge sympathy. I'll see someone who's homeless, I feel huge sympathy. I see someone who's incredibly obese, I don't feel that. And I, I know that's wrong. From everything you're saying here, actually, it's already taught me quite a lot in the last few minutes but I don't for whatever reason myself and I'm guessing many others because this is about fat shaming if I saw someone who's huge I tend to have a very different emotional reaction to seeing someone who's as you say the opposite way who's anorexic it's interesting Mm. isn't it how we perceive those people 
or, or those particular problems. And maybe yeah. it's the same with if I see someone who's drunk 11 o'clock in the morning on the street. I walk past. I don't tend to have a huge amount of sympathy. But someone who's homeless, I, I do. And I, whilst I know that's wrong, that's my instant reaction. Because maybe it's a point of that you don't know, you don't know how to help, but also it's because we don't have any experience with that. We have experience with being overweight, but not True. to having this strange addiction to food. I mean, we've, you know, we've always, we know where we've been going wrong. And yes, there was a catalyst. And yes, we think, okay, um, we can lose that weight. Um, and you were in the morbidly. If obese. I was seven stone overweight, I was. Yeah, you were on in that, the morbidly. I was on that path. Category, but you were in a state of mind that you could change that. And there are people out there that are in a state of mind that that have changed the way they've eaten and can change that. But there is also a, a, a large swathe of people that aren't in that state of mind, and. When you read the stories of people that have lost seven stone um, and lost that vast amount of, of weight, it certainly wasn't easy. It was a very, very slow process. And sometimes it's a surprise when people get to that point thinking, oh my God, I didn't realise. It is a matter of getting on the scales and seeing a number or True. seeing your reflection in a shop window um, or a photograph of yourself or not being able to fit somewhere. Um that can be that catalyst but also there are a lot of people that have that unha that unhealthy relationship with food where it's a mental state i wonder yeah and i wonder also because because we talked at the start about it being a whole change of lifestyle but it was interesting how it was a family change of lifestyle yeah and we supported each other yes but if i lived on my own so i wasn't married didn't have yeah. children What's the chances of me having put on the weight? Probably the same chance. Uh, losing the weight? Probably zero. Because I, I would literally have no, no one supporting me, no one pushing me to do it. And so I suppose that goes back to what you were saying about what's the story behind how someone's how they are. And... Um, but I also could... think a lot of it is about the mental, your mental health. If you were in a happy place and you thought, okay, I want to do this for myself, you know, maybe to, to find love or to, to, to do a job or to do some activity, but you're in the right frame of mind, you can do anything. But if you're somebody that is suffering from anxiety or depression um, or some other mental health problem then, you know, losing weight is, is a very difficult thing to do in it. And then it becomes this catch-22 where you are overweight, so it's making you unhappy and making you more depressed and anxious about going outside. But the anxiety and that depression forces you to seek the comfort in the, in the food and staying inside and, and not opening yourself up. And, you know, this can be where a lot of these groups come into play with the Weight Watchers and the Slimming World where there is a supportive community. But I'd say your state of mind and how happy you are in your life at, at the point where you want to lose weight plays a massive part. So, yeah, so is the balance, as you say, obviously mental health issues aside, it's a very fine line, isn't it, between understanding how you look and really caring about your appearance and going far too far the instagram generation as an example and yes. being the other way and not really caring or not even noticing of how of, of how you look if you see what i mean and i wonder if that's part of it as well in that people judge those who are larger and just looking at the person, they perceive that they don't really care how they look and they see that as somehow offensive, if that makes sense. So it's, it's that very fine line, isn't it, of being vain, only being vain enough to be healthy. But then you've got the Instagram generation, as you say, with so many filters 
that it it gives off the impression of this impossible beauty and impossible figure you know that that is unattainable but they they don't say that it's, it's worse now it's taken a step up from your, your magazines and your is it um, worse? and your tv is it worse than the doctored magazines and photos is it worse than how the ladies for example could dress and be made up in black and white films when the average lady could wouldn't have access to such makeup and no, things it's like all, that it's all part of that isn't it it's saying this is what we consider beautiful but also these people now isn't just a picture on a magazine people in instagram have a voice and this is where social media come in so you know people will be shamed online look at what happened um to that girl in little mix you know they can they can get to you wherever some these nasty bully people can can get to you but is that going to wherever gonna, you are yeah i mean i think and i i think you're right i suspect that a lot of the fat shaming or the recent you know perceived growth in fat shaming has come via social networks the problem is with social networks i saw something this morning where Someone posted about the increase in the COVID figures. They just put some stats up. The abuse they got from people saying, this is boring, this is not a proper disease. It's You almost got to completely step away from um, all social networks. But I, I, there's still that little bit of me, whilst I agree with absolutely everything you said, um, and you know I don't like agreeing with you, but well, there's still a little bit of me, I must be honest, that feels that just like you might want to say to an alcoholic, is there anything I can do to help you? You know, you need to sort your life out. You need sometimes tough love. You need to get this sorted now. For some reason, people then perceive if you do the same thing to someone who's morbidly obese, they see that as really bad. Whereas if you gave tough love to an alcoholic or a drug addict, you'd be perceived as doing a good thing. It's interesting, no, I, isn't it? I don't agree. I don't agree with that at all. I think that people that are overweight are bombarded with, with tough love. You know, it's, it's whenever they go into the GP, whenever they go to the hospital, you know, wherever they go, it it, it is kind of shoved in their face you you've got to raise bmi you're overweight you're obese um and they can't get away from that so I, I i don't agree with that at all and i think it's tough love dished out left right and center but just the same with an alcoholic who's destroying their liver um or a drug addict that's destroying their their entire body you know you can only give advice and you can only offer support but they have to be in that right frame of mind uh, almost to hit what bottom i suppose you could you could say to to change when you're that far down that line yeah to actually make that change and to have the willpower to to make that change i mean i'm, I'm not talking about someone with a bmi of a 30 or 40 i'm talking someone with a bmi of you know late 50s 60s and above but if we all had a bmi of 30 35 40 the health service would collapse overnight and i suppose one thing i'm thinking is that it's much easier to put on weight maybe put on two stone three stone four stone Many millions of people just in this country alone could do that in the next few months. And I think yeah. many of us have put on weight just during the lockdown and working from home because you're moving less. But then um, it's about education, isn't it? Well, it is about education. But the point I'm making is that maybe it's so much easier for the average person to be drawn into putting on weight and to doing less and to eating the wrong foods than, say, for example, to drink to excess or to smoke, you know, take drugs or whatever. So that's why I wonder if somehow there needs to be... And it's hard to explain. I'm not talking about shaming an individual. Does there almost need to be this invisible line in our culture that says being overweight is bad? 
actually I, I think you'll find that drinking alcohol and taking drugs all feeds into being overweight and putting on weight because we have a culture of drinking in the we country we, do. we have a culture um, of people smoking um, cannabis and therefore it feeds into that 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 eating most people that are drunk will get something to eat because they get hungry it's funny um, how i haven't thought a lot about of the wines and proseccos and all yeah. of all of that it, it, you know it is is a large amount of calories for someone to consume so people so you know many people will consume their daily calorie intake in just alcohol alone but we don't frown upon that a bottle of wine at night that's to relax well, well, it is, and it's funny how all the way through this, I've talked about alcoholism. Okay, alcoholism is different to enjoying a drink, but I haven't tended to link the two of alcohol yeah. and food. But this country's always been like that. It used to be the case, I remember someone many years ago at work saying they'd smoked 15 cigarettes or something that night, just after someone else had literally been applauded for getting completely rat-assed, you know, the about... 10 15 pints of beer yet the person who said they spoke that people just like thought it was terrible so that but but that is our culture you're right but but i still can't help regardless of the reasons would you agree that it is useful to have this mythical idea that being a good weight is a good thing because without it i mean We've look at the couple of times we've been to Orlando. It's quite shocking yeah, the, I, the sheer number of people who are huge. I think we need to get away from this um, number on the scales, and I think we need to get away from BMI. I think it should be fat to muscle ratio, which is which is totally different to yeah. something like a BMI or a number on the scales. So I think we need to be getting to to that point. And then looking to see how somebody can reduce the fat in their body to reduce the risk of diabetes and heart disease um, and increase their muscle tone by doing doing more exercise. But do people understand that? In the real world, will people understand such a thing? Let's face it, a lot of them can't even wear a mask. You know, we've been through that in the previous episode. I think if, if the... You know... I think if the advice was clearer, as with everything which has come out recently, I mean, there's no point in saying we want to tackle obesity in the country and then offering half-price eat-out meal deals on everything. You know, it, it, it sends mixed messages all the time. It's about those doing small changes. It's not about going on this radical diet. People need to make small changes and build on those small changes, but it needs about you know it needs to be about education. People being educated at school about um, healthy eating and about um, exercise and movement. It can be as easy as just going for for a walk, but building on that walk, you don't have to go for a run. You don't have to go to the gym class. You don't have to cycle twenty miles. But you just need to be doing something. And if that means getting up off the couch, just like you do now, yeah. every hour you'll walk five minutes on a treadmill. But, but yeah, and also actually though, just something you said there made me think, we say all this in a position where we can afford to buy healthy food. We, you, you know, you, your idea makes perfect sense and you're right. Everyone could do something themselves. Mm. Or, you know, if you can, if you can walk, you could walk a bit more each day. But the reality is you, you would need a lot more things to change. Now, I that. totally disagree with the fact that you said we can afford to buy healthy food. You know, that that's ridiculous. Everyone, if you've, if you've got half an hour to watch something on the TV, you've got half an hour to make your dinner. And in actual fact, you can spend the same amount on the ingredients for um, a, a dinner that will, will last you over two days if you put portions in the freezer, then you would on a ready meal that you put in the microwave that, that's full of fat and salt. But the problem, yeah, and, and I agree. I do agree, but we... That probably goes back to the whole culture of everything needs to be convenience, doesn't it? 
just as people who might be fit and healthy and a good job or whatever they're, they're literally getting every bit of food delivered to them even their snacks delivered to them at work each day they're um I think that that goes down to everyone else in that so few people will take the time to cook a healthy meal. Yeah, we're, which, in, a, we're in a world of convenience and this is the problem. Yes, we so, are. So but people don't know how to how to cook because you don't teach your children how to cook. A lot of a lot of primary school children don't know chips come from a potato. They think they come out of the Tesco superstore in a packet. Yes, but has that ship already sailed and, and so... If you wanted to change things, you've got to sort of do what's manageable. And, and the government often gets criticised for a lot of things. And I, I suspect there's a lot of times when the advice they would want to give out regarding health, COVID or anything else, they would like it to be more detailed and more nuanced. But what's happening is they just know it doesn't work. People are getting confused by messages that seem quite obvious to me at times. That's because they're contradicting themselves all the time. That's one thing. There's no doubt. I mean, we talked about how this government is dealing with everything at the moment, and it's we know it's pretty terrible. But the point I'm making is I do wonder if, if sometimes you just need that. Uh, like, for example, they can give a guideline of, you shouldn't drink more than this, you know, the acceptable number of the, the amount of alcohol you should drink each week before it becomes dangerous. And they do tend to do this very vague thing on calories. But even that doesn't work because they say for a man, I think it's two and a half thousand calories and they're bringing that down. If I ate that every day, my weight would go up substantially and I'm a big yes. person. So I, I'm usually about 1500 calories a day and I'm still struggling to lose weight again even with exercise so but i think they often i think aside from what the government can do and how you could get people to change i suppose it still sticks in my mind that i go back to it this mythical idea that to be healthy and to be beautiful and to be attractive you should be a decent way i actually think that's not necessarily a bad thing I think it is. I think people are attracted to different shapes and sizes, just the same as people are attracted to blonde hair or yep. brown hair, nope. um, you know, tall women or short nope. women. Yep. You, you can't, you know, people are attracted to different different people and some people are attracted to, to bigger women and, um, and some people are attracted to, to slimmer women. So you, you can't change who you're attracted to but i i just think it's it's very very simple the the message should be very simple in the fact that it's all about a healthy balanced diet along with a form of exercise so just just increasing your movement and you can start off you can start off slow so i think if, if they make you know make things very simple and also about you know supporting your your fellow human beings and not shouting horrible remarks to people um or making nasty comments on online to somebody it's we should be supportive of each other yeah i mean i do agree it's interesting how those measures you talk about there would probably inevitably lead to someone losing weight and if they did do it properly, if they ate the right amount and they exercised a decent amount, they would then be that supposed ideal that I talked about. I think the problem is, I don't think we will ever change. Um, you, you have a situation where, as people, if you are a normal weight, I use the word normal lightly, I know what you're saying about everyone being different we've probably gone way past that now in that the, the, this, this general view in the media, social networks, everywhere, is that if you're a normal weight, you're going to be healthier. Chances are you're more likely, on average, you will be healthier. On average, you will be fitter. On average, you will be perceived as more attractive. I don't 
believe we'd ever get we're we're never going to get past that and i still would stick to the argument that if we didn't if say somehow we all woke up tomorrow morning and said it doesn't matter what weight you are you know it doesn't affect anything i wonder if we would all just get bigger who knows you know who knows um I think we, you know, well, I found a, a balance. I enjoy eating what I'm eating and I enjoy doing my exercise um, and doing my running. So I'm living a, a life that I'm happy with and I enjoy. Do you feel happier being so much slimmer than you are? No, I don't think it's about being slimmer. I feel happier being fitter. Um, I think my mental health has improved a lot since I started running. So do you not worry about your weight? Well, I don't worry about the number on the scales as much as I did when I first started. Now it, it, it's, a, it's about feeling, feeling fitter and feeling healthier. I don't worry so much about the food on my plate. I didn't worry so much about having that pizza because I knew I was doing the exercise and I knew on the whole my, my diet was good. Right. You know, I we are coming up to, well, you're 50 and I'm a year and a half away from being 50. So I do think being healthier plays on your mind a little bit more because you, as you get older, you're more at risk of, of injuries and, um, and disease. So, yes, being healthier does play in my mind but not so much as the, the number on my scales and I suppose the only thing that I think about now is because I've got a set of clothes that, that fit me well so if I start putting on weight then I feel my clothes don't fit me so well and then yeah. they become uncomfortable. So, so, so do you think we'd what... feel differently if we were as a final point I suppose we are coming it from we are coming at this from the point of being married, being together, being 50. If you were 25 years old and single, do you think you'd be looking at it differently? Is it easier for us to, having got fit and lost weight at this age and being settled, is it easier for us to um, not see the uh, importance of maybe being attractive to the opposite sex. Do you see what I mean? I wonder if we'd think differently at a younger age. Possibly. I think it's hard to know. I mean, my family were always quite slim and quite healthy and quite conscious of their weight. So I was brought up in that environment and I only really put on the extra weight once I had my two children. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I was the fat kid at school, lost a load of weight, was skinny for a long time then gradually got fat again then lost weight again so I think looking back I realize how unhappy I was when I was fat but I'm still amazed at how much I in my head fooled myself that I was never as big as I was and maybe that's why when I see people who are extremely obese I for some reason presume they're doing the same thing and that they could change it easily. And whilst I would never shame anyone, maybe that's, I suppose it's like everything, isn't it? It comes from our own perceptions and our own experiences. And it's just a subject that, that could go on forever. And I don't know. I There's, there's no answer to it. I, I still believe having this line that if you are a healthy weight, or as you say, if you're weight and you're fit, then that's, that is the ideal. And that if you go outside that, whether you go under with anorexia or another eating disorder, or if you go way over, you probably should be doing something about it. The, question, the impossible question is how you do that. But I guess we'd both agree that shaming's never going to help anyone. No, absolutely. It will never work. 
I guess that's it. That went on a, I thought this might be a 20 minute chat, but I don't think we've resolved anything. I don't think the world's going to get thinner now just because we've had a chat, but it was nice. It was. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, talk to you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.